no idea what they were doing. I was able to uh, launch campaigns and instead of getting a dollar a like, I was getting five or 10 likes for a penny. So, Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today, we have the social media wizard, Paul Getter, on the podcast. Okay, this dude's doing some massive things in the Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, in the paid traffic space. Okay, he's literally, he, there have been months, he's going to tell you about it, where he has spent over $5 million, $5 million on ads on Facebook alone in a single month. So this dude is moving mountains with his ads, okay? He, he's doing some huge branding campaigns for a lot of big influencers like he will talk about throughout the show but what we're going to be talking about is really how you can start to get involved in both the paid traffic and the personal branding space okay these are areas that paul spoken and well educated in he's got over a million followers on his personal instagram account which is at paul which is looking pretty fresh and he's got again that agency where they are spending significant dollars in ads every single month so if you're somebody who's who's interested in starting an agency where you might do some paid traffic with some local businesses or you're interested in building out your personal brand, which honestly everyone should be, like we talk about throughout the podcast, like a, a, a personal brand is like a rising tide because it lifts all ships, okay? So whether you have an agency, whether you have, whether you're doing public speaking, whether you have a book, like literally having that personal brand and building that personal brand, it raises all of those things, okay? It brings all of those things to the next level. So we're gonna be talking about that, why you gotta be building that personal brand and how you can start to incorporate paid traffic into everything that you're doing and how you can like effectively use ads. Like Paul has brought the cost per lead for clients down literally tenfold, sometimes even more than that um, because he's just an ads wizard, okay? The student's an ads wizard. Um, we're gonna get him on the show. We are going to allow him to share his story, his knowledge, his experiences with all of y'all on Young Smart Money here today. So without further ado, let's welcome Paul Getter onto the podcast. I want you guys to sit back, relax, plug in, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Paul Getter. All right, Paul, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Apple. Pleasure connected with you, man. Uh, yeah. Just having a conversation about your name. And uh, <laughs> I don't, do people know your real name? Some people do, but I don't talk about it very often. Let's not, let's not talk about it. It's mm, Apple. Nope. Apple it's Apple. All it's right. A, from day one, it's been Apple. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, I usually only share it when I go on other people's podcasts so that you got to you got to have those exclusive. You, you'll have to come to my podcast next time. <laughs> All right, then then the listeners can know. Then the listeners can know. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I love it. So, Paul, our listeners, they got to hear a little bit about you in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that aren't familiar with uh, who Paul Getter is and what you're currently doing right now, give us like a 60-second snapshot of what you're doing. Sure. So uh, again, my name is Paul Getter. A lot of people know me as the internet marketing nerd. I've had the privilege of working with a lot of cool people, whether it's Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, a lot of big names within the entrepreneur space. Yeah. Uh, Fortune 500 companies, A-list celebrities. We uh, basically run paid ads, branding, um, help people go viral on different projects and uh, so we've been able to spend um, a significant amount of money in paid ads, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, uh, probably one of the, in the top 10% of ad spenders when it comes to online paid traffic. Wow. Can you give us any idea of how much the top 10% spends or? Yeah. So I can tell you that we've had uh, months where we have spent in excess of uh, $5 million in a month. Um, just in Facebook ads. So that's not including our other platforms, YouTube, 
um, uh, Google and other platforms like that. So yeah, you know, we've, we've spent millions of dollars a month just in paid ads. So with that, crazy. we've been able to uh, gain a lot of great information. I bet. I got a buddy of mine who spends like 25K a day on Facebook ads. And I thought that was a lot. But I mean, if you're spending 5 million a month, like that's, that's a little bit more than 25K a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've had some big months. And, uh, you know, th again, that's just one platform, not including yeah. um, Google and uh, YouTube. Uh, those platforms. So that's huge, man. Well, I'm stoked to dive into that. But the first place I like to start all the interviews off at is sort of flashing back in time because we do have a younger listener base here. We're talking to mostly high school and college students. So okay, awesome. flashing back to to I like to start with middle school and high school years, um, okay. just to get a, a picture for like who you are and, and where you got started. So in that time period, were you someone who was interested in, in entrepreneurship? Were you taking school very seriously? Were you a guy that was really involved in sports? Like what did that look like for you? Yeah, yeah. So I guess middle school, high school, I wasn't really uh, future minded, you know, like many middle school and high schoolers. Uh, I was just, you know, going to school. So I really, I, well, so, so let, let me, let me, let me say this. Sure. Um, because uh, I, I wasn't an entrepreneur, but I wanted to make money. So. <laughs> <laughs> so at an early age, I did do things like, for example, uh, we would go door to door, knocking on doors to ask people if we could mow their grass. We would, uh, you know, do whatever we could. Um, I remember going uh, in, in middle school, probably even earlier than that, uh, we would knock on people's doors and ask them if we could take out their garbage and just take their garbage out and maybe they'd give us 50 cents or, you know, something like that. So I, I was in a position where I was uh, interested in making money. And it uh, wasn't one of those that just mom and dad give me some money. I was, I, I was in a position where I had to, you know, if I wanted money, I had to go get it myself. Mm. So, so that was entrepreneur minded. Yeah. I guess you would say. Yeah. For sure. So like, did you, did you have any like, like projects you were working on or like getting involved in anything else other than just like random side jobs here and there? No, again, it was just kind of one of those things on the weekend, uh, my cousin and I, or a friend, we would just, you know, it was basically, uh, I remember we would mow a lawn for, uh, $5. Mm -hmm. Again, just go door to door with our little lawnmower and push it and see a lawn that needs to be mowed and say, hey, you know, we need to mow that lawn and um, get $5. And the reason it was $5 is because it was $2 to go to the movies. Mm -hmm. So $2 for me, $2 for my cousin. And then we had 50 cents that we could um, spend on getting popcorn or whatever it might be. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so it, it was, it was that just uh whatever we could do to make money as a, a young middle school uh student so for sure so then like graduating from high school was college like a big decision for you was that like a, a value that was really enforced by your family or what did that look like yeah so uh interestingly enough i actually went to um college and studied theology hmm. um which is uh not a very marketable degree um, if you know, theology is, I, I, I put it on my resume one time that I had a degree in theology and somebody was like, is that the study of rocks? I'm like, no, that's geology. Uh, so theology is a, a, a I went to a, a biblical school, uh, um, studied the Bible, theology, Christianity. Um, so again, not a very marketable degree, yeah. but while, while I was in college, again, this is in the, uh, early to mid nineties. Um, and, and I, I date myself just by saying this, but this was like 
before that old internet thing became popular. Uh, so, so um, but we were building, I was always tech-minded. Um, I guess another thing, um, jumping back to my early years, at 11 years old, I was actually coding. Uh, really? Yeah, my um, mother got a computer and it was uh, Candy 1000 EX. And there used to be this store called Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> and so my mom got a computer from Radio Shack. And it was funny because uh, when we got this computer, you could play games on it. And, but it came with a book to, that you had to actually type into programs. And it was simple programs like Pong and you know, basic games. Uh, again, really cool back then. But the problem is we couldn't afford a, a disk drive. So when you would program it in, normally you would, you would save it on a disk drive, mm. but we didn't have the disk drive. So every time we turned off the computer, we lost that information. So at 11 years old, I wanted to play that game quite a bit. So anytime I turn it off, I have to turn it back on and I have to program that game back in. So at 11 years old, I was memorizing coding just because we didn't have a floppy drive. So, so I had an interest in tech and computers. Uh, so when I was in college, uh, the college actually um, you know, threw me into a computer lab and they were like, hey, do you know how to set up a, a, a bulletin board system? And I'm like, no, not really. And they're like, well, here's a book. And so I read the book and learned how to set up bulletin board systems. Again, just uh, no formal training or schooling, but just kind of learned coding and setting up bulletin board systems and um, websites, I guess you would say, for the school and um, building a network for the school. So that's kind of was my introduction to the uh, coding, computer programming, and uh, I guess you would say the, the online world. For sure. So, so clearly there was, there was a span of time there between like when you graduated school and when you got involved with like the social media side of things. So what came between there? Were you like in corporate America? Were you starting different projects based on your like technology experience or what did that look like? Yeah, so um, it, it was just completely nine to five type jobs. Uh, oh. You know, it. Uh, again, with a degree in theology, wasn't very marketable, and uh, worked in various capacities of, you know, like whether it's sales or, um, I mean, just just anything and everything. Had a little bit of background in um, medical field, hmm. uh, so it was just it was nine to five jobs, and it really it wasn't until I remember I was uh, again in in my. Um, I guess you would say hobby or little side jobs. I might do, you know, build someone a website hmm. and very inexpensive. And, and again, this is probably going into early two thousands um, when there wasn't a, a huge boom or, uh, you know, growth on, online. But I, you know, I started learning how to build websites and stuff. So every once in a while, someone might say, Hey, you know how to build a website? And I was like, eh, yeah, I can build one. And I might make 500, $1,000 doing that. So I was working a, a, a corporate job, nine to five job, and uh, I remember it was, man, it was the it was a very hostile environment. The uh, the supervisor was very aggressive, and it was you know a, a sales type job with quotas, and he would come in very um, uh, aggressive and yelling and screaming at people, and it, and it just again a hostile work environment. Environment didn't like it, and 
uh, one day I said to him, I was like, Hey man. Um, and again, this is the supervisor. I'm like, yeah, nobody here in this office likes you. I mean, uh, when you leave people cry, nobody likes working for you. The only reason people are here is because they need a paycheck. And I'm saying this to the supervisor. He's like, Hey Paul, if you keep talking like that, you're not going to have a job. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't want to work for you anymore. And so I actually, I, I quit my job and I was put in a position where, again, I had bills, I had a family, I had um, stuff I had to do. And uh, so I kind of went in full speed into building websites and um, exploring online marketing type of opportunities. Amazing. So what, what gave you like the, the, the courage or like the inspiration to like stand up to that guy? Cause clearly nobody else was doing it. Um, and it sounded like you were pretty reliant on that income stream. So what, what gave you the, the, the push to do that? Yeah. It, you know, I, I think that there are certain things within um, a person's integrity and their core beliefs that, you know, you're just regardless of a paycheck or, or whatever it might be that you just can't, uh, set and, and, and listen to it. And, and this was, again, a very um, rude, obnoxious guy. He would come in making racist comments and um, things like that. It just, it, 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 it didn't set well with me. So it was one of those things where I, I knew I didn't want to work for him anymore and didn't feel comfortable. And, and you know, it was, it was one of those things that I remember working there and again, this was this guy's attitude. He was obnoxious. He was rude. But when you walked out to the parking lot, man, he had a nice car. He was very wealthy, had a house down on the beach. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, if this guy is so rude, so obnoxious, nobody likes him, but he's making good money, then I think I have a chance too. <laughs> I love it. So when you, when you made that leap and quit your job, how were you getting clients for this business? It sounds like you had been doing a little bit of work before. So was it mostly referrals or how are you getting people in the door? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it was um, definitely referrals at first on the website type of stuff. Uh, but then there, there came a transition. And this is right when Facebook started to gain popularity uh, that um, I was playing around with Facebook. And I was building Facebook pages kind of just like a hobby. Hmm. You know, I might build pages about cats, about dogs, about, you know, whatever. And I, I kind of figured it out. And I was posting pictures growing. And this is back in the day when Facebook organic reach was incredible. Yeah. And so I was building um, pages, large pages, really quickly, posting viral content and stuff. And I would throw up uh, gigs on Fiverr. And so I was making five, 10, 15, $20 people like, Hey, can you share um, my content on your page? And eventually after growing this large portfolio of Facebook pages, I started having big companies reach out to me and uh, ask me to help them grow their Facebook page. Hmm. Okay. So was it just like, they, they just saw what you were doing. Did you have your name anywhere or was it like, no, no, it was just, you know, they would see these Facebook pages and they would inbox me and they would say, Hey, uh, you know, would you help us grow our page? And I was like, yeah, you know, and so conversations would start up. And then, you know, when I realized that there was money in doing this, uh, I would sit and I would watch on uh, Facebook people running ads and after learning how to do uh, Facebook ads in a, you know, a very professional way where I could get um, 
results that were a lot better than the average person, I could look at someone's ads. I'm like, they don't know what they're doing. Facebook had this option where you could like click a button and it would auto populate an ad for you and grow your page. And I knew if anybody auto populated an ad that they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to dig into the Facebook ads manager, the right targeting and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I would see these ads that I knew that were auto generated and I would message people and I'd say, Hey, how's the, how are your ads going? And I'd find out how, how much they were spending, know the results. And I would say, Hey, I can get you twice as, you know, better results if you let me do it. And so that's how I started acquiring clients is looking for bad ads on Facebook. Huh? Super interesting. And I mean, like, that's, that's such a core pillar of what I do as well. It's like, you got to find a problem that you can provide a solution for. And, and you had this solution with, with this Facebook ad skills. So how, how did you develop your, your skills in the Facebook ad space? Was it a lot of stuff that was transferable from growing these pages or was it a pretty different ballgame? Yeah. So uh, uh, again, this is uh, back in the day when Facebook ads, it was like the wild, wild west. Not, not very many people were doing Facebook ads. It was very uh, wonky and just, you know, again, not very many people were doing Facebook ads. So I, I dug into it and started learning it. And um, this was before the days when there was all kinds of courses and training. It was just dig in and figure it out yourself. And so that's what I did is I just kind of dug in, figured it out myself and I started doing it. And you know, when you're one of the first persons in there running Facebook ads, it gives you a huge advantage to the average person. Mm. So throughout this time period, it doesn't really sound like you had any mentors in the area of like growing Facebook pages or Facebook ads. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Again, it, it, it started as a hobby that I was just building pages because it was fun. And, you know, uh, again, organic reach when Facebook first started, it was a completely different game. Like if you had a page of a hundred thousand people, you could post a picture on there and you would get a hundred thousand likes. And if it went viral, you might get a million likes on a picture on a page that only had a hundred thousand likes so it's completely different uh back then that you could post content and really grow it and so i started learning little tricks uh, you know of course i would do something it would go viral i'm like okay i'm going to try that again and i'll try it on different pages and grow pages and uh, again it was it was a different organic algorithm that we were working with then and it uh it made a great opportunity to grow pages, make money and um, kind of learn a lot there. For sure. So are you still doing any organic stuff on Facebook right now? Or have you kind of pivoted away from that? Yeah. Um, don't really do a whole lot of organic stuff on Facebook. Uh, it's just paid traffic that mm -hmm. we do. Um, the organic reach on Facebook is just, oh, it's very dismal. Um, you know, you can yeah. have a page of a million and if you get, a couple thousand likes on it. It's like, wow, you're doing good. So it's, it's horrible. <laughs> Absolutely. So at this point, you're sort of getting into the ad side of things. Um, and were you mostly getting clients through just like reaching out to people with, with, with bad ads or, or did you have any other way to, to get clients? Yeah. So that initially, uh, what I, what I was doing is again, I would see a bad ad and I would message people. And like, for example, people were, running campaigns to grow their Facebook page mm. um, with the objective to acquire likes for the Facebook page. 
And I would start a conversation with them and I would say, hey, you know, how much are you spending on your marketing to grow your page? And they would say, oh, you know, I'm spending $40 a day. And I'm like, okay, so they're spending over $1,000 a month. And I'd ask them like, so what type of results are you getting? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm getting 30, 40 likes um, a day doing it. And I'm like, okay, so they're about a dollar a like. Again, I had no idea what they were doing. I was able to uh, launch campaigns and instead of getting a dollar a like, I was getting five or 10 likes for a penny. So, you know, so with the results that they were getting with a dollar, I could get with 10 cents and I could multiply the results. And so what I would do is, first of all, instead of them getting 100 likes, I would get them 500 likes for the same budget. And then the rest was my profit that I made. Mm. And so you can see at, if, if you found a, a couple people that were spending a couple thousand dollars a month, you could you know, um, potentially make a few thousand dollars just by setting up campaigns like this. Do you think that's a good business model for the young, like 18, 19, 20 year old who, who hasn't really had much entrepreneurial experience? Or do you think that's, that's not a great way to get started? Well, well, obviously, like you said, if you can find people that are um, doing something and it's not really effective and you can improve the results, then um, you've, you've got a marketable skill. Uh, you know, people, people never complained that I was making money because uh, again, they were spending a hundred dollars and getting a hundred likes. Now they're spending a hundred dollars and they're getting a thousand likes. So they loved me, but you know, I was making $90 profit. Uh, I was, it only took me $10 to get the same results. So yeah, if you can find someone that is, maybe they're doing poor marketing and you can improve on it, they'll love you for it. Mm. That's the truth. That's the truth. So how did you start then connecting with some of these bigger influencers? Like you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, when did that start happening? Yeah. So there, there was a long period of time, several years, probably about four or five years that I was kind of like the underground marketer. Okay. Where, uh, nobody knew about me. Like guys in the industry, they would call me up and they would, and I was coaching some of the biggest names, some guys that are doing huge things. I was coaching them and talking to them because again, I, there wasn't very many people doing paid Facebook ads. So when people saw me doing stuff at a high level, they would just reach out to me, but I didn't, you know, it was just like, Hey, I'm getting paid for telling someone how to uh, do Facebook ads. That was cool. I never presented myself as a coach, as a consultant. It was just like, I thought I was lucky that I knew a little bit more than they, they knew and people would pay me for that. So that was cool. And uh, then I remember one time someone was uh, talking and it, it was just, uh, again, a word of mouth type of situation. And uh, they're like, Hey, you know, this guy, he um, knows about Facebook marketing and people started connecting me with some big name people. And next thing you know, I'm getting on a, a jet flying out to meet, you know, Ty Lopez and sitting in his house and talking to him. And uh, again, from there, it's just kind of when you start working with one or two big names. And again, we've worked with, you know, um, A-list celebrities um, and athletes and stuff. And it's just kind of like once you work with one. And, and I think what, what I initially did when I saw opportunity like that is uh, if I if I could somehow get connected with a notable person, I would say to them, hey, you know, is it all right if I help you out 
on your marketing. And I would almost like volunteer my skills and, and just help them out because I knew that if I could put on my resume that I worked with this person, that it would help give me the edge um, for my resume. Hmm. That's the truth. So was this before or after you started building your personal brand? Yeah, so this, this was before uh, that I, I started working with some um, big name people. And I, I never really even considered a personal brand uh, until, you know, it, it was kind of uh, accidental that some of these high profile people that I would work with, they would be speaking at a conference and I might be there. And then all of a sudden they would point me out and they would start talking about what I'm doing for them. And then, you know, next thing I know, people are coming to me and I'm like, you know, I kind of like accidentally turned into a, a personal brand. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of, kind of unique, I guess. Yeah. That's super interesting. So as far as like our younger listeners are concerned, how would you recommend going about like starting to build your network? Cause you were associating with some really high level people. Um, if we have listeners who, who have aspirations of doing similar things, what are some good first steps they can start to take to move themselves closer to the place where they're meeting these, these Ty Lopez's, these Grant Cardone's? Yeah. So a few different things. First of all, you got to go where they are, you know, so you got to go to the conferences, you've got to go to the seminars, um, you've got to invest and that might cost you some money to go to these conferences, go to the seminars, but even a, a, a better um, way is, first of all, you have to have something that brings value. You can't say, oh, you know, I want to work with Ty Lopez. I want to work with this guy. I want to work with this person. And you don't have anything to offer because you can't, you can't bring value. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to have a marketable skill. You have to have something that would actually bring value. So that's the first thing. That's, that's something that happens in obscurity. You know, you're learning something, you're perfecting, you're, you know, you're studying and there's so much that you can learn on, uh, uh, you know, YouTube, Udemy and, and sites like that, where it doesn't cost a lot of money. I, I think that there's a tremendous amount of stuff that you can learn online that is free. So get a skill that you've really perfected, something that gives you that edge and then uh, begin to reach out and network to those people. Like I, I, I give you a perfect example. If if you um, could make really cool videos, um, you know, kind of those meme style videos that you see Gary Vee and those big names that they use in these cool videos. If you know how to do that, um, gather some of their content, make, uh, make a cool video, send it to them and say, hey, I made this for you. Uh, maybe you're a graphic designer, make them some cool graphics, send it their way and say, hey, if there's anything that I can do to help you out in the future, just let me know. I'd be glad to um, make more for you. And then next thing you know, you're working for big people and you have a relationship with them. Paul, it's ridiculous that you said that because that's literally the exact thing that I did about a year and a half ago that allowed me to build my network. I literally found people who had large YouTube followings and small Instagram followings. I, I took their YouTube videos. I turned them into Instagram videos, like those Gary V style videos. Yeah. I sent them to them for free. And then I built this business where I was making like in the first month, I, I started working for free, but I got a bunch of referrals. These guys started paying me and I was making like $5,000 a month in one month by doing literally exactly what yeah. you just outlined there. So it, it, no, it works. It works. <laughs> like it, like that is 
so, so much value right there. Literally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's how I started building my network. Like that's how I started associating with those high level people is I had a marketable skill. I, I offered it to them for free. They saw that it was providing value and then they had, and then they had reason to compensate me for that. So yeah. I'm just, I'm just blown away by the fact that you used that exact example. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> It works. It works. It, it absolutely I, does. I, I, I have people um, message me all the time and uh, you know, not that I don't help people, but people will message me, Hey, will you mentor me? Will you coach me? I'm like, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't work like that. Uh, <laughs> go here, fill an application and we can talk about it. But what they're basically saying is, Hey, will you give me all your information for free? Um, yeah. and, and I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. But if someone comes to me and says, Hey, I want to help you out. I want, I want to do this. And, um, they've got a skill set. I'm like, Hey, work with me. Let's, let's talk. And they've got access to me and I'm not intentionally coaching them. I'm not intentionally mentoring them, but they have access to me and I'm talking with them. I'm showing them what they're, what I'm doing and, and things like that. And it's, uh, they're, they're getting the benefits of mentoring but they're also you know it's not a one-way relationship that you know they're just expecting me to give them all kinds of value and insight and training but hey they're working with me and so that's a that's a cool cool way you can you can go you can meet anyone and connect with anyone if you've got a marketable skill set exactly and oftentimes like Learning from mentors, I have found, I, I don't need it to be like that one-on-one -on -one coaching situation. Like if I'm able to work with them, see what yeah. they're doing in their business and then apply those things to my business, like that's oftentimes a lot more valuable than then sitting down and giving me like a, a pre-rehearsed, like one hour script of like, well, first you do this and then you do that. Cause like a lot of times you just need to see like what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, abs absolutely. That's, uh, I was just up in New York city and, um, we we've got a relationship with an agency there and they're doing some really cool stuff. They're doing um, branding and content creation and stuff. And uh, I went by their office to see what they're doing and they're going to be helping us with content generation. And uh, so I jumped on their computer and I started showing them how to set up paid ads and get leads. You know, they were telling me that ah, we're playing around with it. And normally if someone says we're playing around with ads, it's dangerous. Uh -huh. I mean, like, we're spending money, but we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So we're wasting money. So, you <laughs> know, they were getting, yeah, yeah. They were getting leads for like $60, $70 a lead. And uh, I jumped on their computer and really 15 minutes. I was getting ready to go to the airport. 15 minutes, set up an ad. Just had a call with them a few hours ago. And they're getting leads for $6 now. <laughs> so it's a game changer for them. Absolutely. So, Paul, Fill us in with some of like the core aspects of, of good ads, okay? Because clearly you have a lot of experience like creating good ads. Like you just showed us an example of how you were able to literally take their cost down tenfold. So when our listeners are thinking about whether they're, they're starting an agency, they're creating ads for their personal brand, like what are the core things that they should be focusing on with, the, with these ads that they're creating? Yeah, so if we're, take for example, if we're looking at Facebook ads, sure. uh, there's so many different objectives when it comes to the Facebook ad platform, whether yeah. you know, if you're just getting video views, if you're getting clicks to website, if you're doing conversions. So I think the first thing that you need to um, clearly define is what is my objective? Do I just want to get video views for branding purposes? Well, this would be the objective that you want to use. Am I actually wanting to 
get leads? Well, this is the type of ad that you want to set up. So, so number one, you have to define your proper objective in the Facebook ads platform. And uh, then secondly, I, I believe that there's a, um, a, a word that has became popular that really when it comes to ads, it's, it's critical, but you've got to be disruptive. Uh, it, it, your, your ad can't just, I mean, it's such a key aspect when it comes to advertising. You want to get people's attention. Uh, you know, I, I run ads for my personal branding courses and products and stuff. And every once in a while, someone will comment on one of my ads. Oh, you're just doing it for the likes. You're just doing it for the views. And I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, I, I really am. I am just doing it for the views and the <laughs> likes because I know if I can get a lot of views, I know if I can get a lot of likes, a lot of comments that I can convert all of those eyeballs into money. And it's kind of like saying to a person um, that ran a Super Bowl ad that cost them a million dollars for 30 seconds or whatever the budget is and saying, hey, you're just running that Super Bowl ad for the views because you want people to see you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. really what I'm doing it for. Sounds right. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're exactly right because I've learned the more people that I can get to view my my uh, product, my service, I can translate that into um, into money. So so you got to be disruptive. You got to have something that will uh, separate you from everybody else. And um, then thirdly and finally, I think you really have to know. Um, your your stats. You have to know your data. You know you, all your demographics, your target audience, and um, what the interests would be. You've got to know your customer or client avatar. And when you have all those three things kind of lined up, then I think it's kind of a, a recipe for um, good advertisement. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was extremely valuable. So Paul, you're working on a couple different projects right now between um, like your agency and your personal brand and, and speaking and stuff. So how do you think about your focus and like how you decide like what different um, sort of activities get your time and your energy and your attention? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think when it comes to uh, personal branding, and this is probably something I wish I would have learned sooner, is when you develop your personal brand, whatever is connected to it goes up also. So as you grow your personal brand, if you have an agency, if you have a course, if you have something like that, it's also elevated. So um, investing in your personal brand. That's why I'm here on this podcast with you, man, because I, I understand, I realize the importance of uh, personal branding. And so growing the, the message of who I am and, and what I do, um, I, I think that should be a, a core emphasis in, in every brand, every company, uh, you know, in, your branding and who you are, your identity. When you grow that, your courses, your speaking engagements, whatever it might be, it's also elevated too. For sure. So as far as younger listeners go that want to get started building their personal brand, what are some good first steps? If our listener has dedicated no time, energy, attention into growing a personal brand, like how do they get started? Yeah. So uh, I always tell people this content is king. Um, you have to have good content. So invest time and resources in content. Study and, and learn. See what other people are doing for good content. Kind of try to replicate that and, and, and get out there. Don't be afraid. I mean, one of the um, things that hold people back is, you know, that the, the stress of the, the voices of their peers, you know, critics and haters and things like that. 
uh, as your personal brain grows, everything else will too. You know, the, the criticism, the haters, all that. But um, if your motives are right and your um, core beliefs are sound, then, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. Just, again, give good content, give good value, help other people, and the, the customers and the clients will follow from that. Mm. That's, that's so true. It's all about helping people and solving problems. Like that is the name of the game. Absolutely. So Paul, what are some of the challenges that you face? Cause I'm assuming it hasn't just been all sunshine and rainbows for Paul Getter. Um, oh, yeah, talk to the younger listeners about, about some of the challenges. Cause like, I, I like to keep this stuff real and like yeah. me personally, I go through a lot of stuff. So like, I want, I want you to share some stuff, maybe, maybe some stuff you haven't shared. Um, to oh, yeah. yes. So it's so true. It's like, um, in the entrepreneur world, all you see online is like the highlight reel. Yeah. It's like, you know, I made X amount of dollars in 10 minutes and, and stuff like that. And it's just like, uh, look at my car, look at my home, look at, you know, yeah. all the money I've made. And so it's, um, for those that are living in the real world, it can be demoralizing because you're like, man, they're doing so good and I'm, it's not working for me. And, you know, so it can be uh, kind of discouraging when you see other people's success because that's all they're really going to show you online yeah. is, you know, the success stories, the great case studies. But man, I can tell you, um, like this probably wouldn't be a, a very marketable headline, but Hey, let me tell you about the month that I lost a hundred thousand dollars. Like, you know, how you can lose a hundred thousand dollars a month. I've, I've had that happen before. Of course, I, I just to make it feel better for me. I don't say how I lost a hundred thousand dollars. I kind of take a step back. I'm like, um, you know, the hundred thousand dollar lesson that I learned, you know, so I, I, I look at things where I lost, you know, so there, there's, there's things like that, that have happened in this journey that you invest within a certain, um, platform and, you know, policies change, uh, you, um, you know, accounts get banned. And uh, again, you know, like looking back just a year or so ago, I know a lot of guys that were making big money uh, promoting courses on Facebook and cryptocurrency. Facebook mm -hmm. changes its policy. If that's the only thing doing, you're not making any money anymore. Uh, Facebook and Google, YouTube, all of them change their policies on running ads on cryptocurrency. So if that was the only thing that you were doing, you're not making any money anymore. So, so needless to say, over the years, I've experienced whether it's algorithm changes, policy changes, all of those different things that happen on the internet marketing world. And, you know, there's been times where you just take a step back, like, man, I'm business is over. I'm done. And, you know, there's two or three days where you're like, okay, I'm going to have to go get a nine to five job. Uh, but then I, I take a step back and I'm like, okay, I've got skills, I've got experience that I was able to get this far, so I just have to change. So, so there, there is, man, uh, uh, something about knowing how to adapt to the changes, and so you, you always have to be flexible. You got to be like a chameleon. You got to be able to change with the changes online. Mm -hmm. I love it. Do you have any tips for our listeners to how they can keep themselves like nimble and, and being able to change frequently? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think it's in, important to have uh, some type of diversification on your online skills. 
you know, whether it's you're an affiliate marketer, you don't want to just be an affiliate marketer. You, you want to have a, uh, it, your own assets outside of your social media platform. You want to have that email list. You want to have a, a real network of people. I think that's probably one of the most valuable things that you have to understand is that uh, you have to have like real relationships, not, not just like a friend on Facebook or a friend on Instagram. You got to have real relationships that you're like sincerely connected with people, people that are doing stuff that is bigger than what you are and what you're doing. So when you have those relationships offline, in person, where you're actually shaking hands, talking to people, or, or maybe it's, it's still online, but you're in a real relationship with that person and you're really giving value, then you might have things that change in what you're doing. But if you're connected with other people in other industries, then you, you, you can learn from them and you can uh, grow with them. Mm, that's, that's so true. And it's, it's all about who you know and who you're connected with. And I found absolutely, that like, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about podcasting is like I'm able to sit down with with cool people like yourself and and get to know your story. Well, and who you yeah, are. Cool. <laughs> I would definitely say Paul Getter is a pretty cool individual. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul, before I mean, we, you've been dropping so much value on our on our listeners, and I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, but before we wrap up the show, I do have some questions that I like to ask all of my guests. So are you feeling ready for those? Sure, I'll give it a shot. All right, let's do it. The first thing that I'm curious about is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? This could be in your business, in the wider world of social media, but like what's got Paul Getter fired up right now? Man, that, so I, I have had uh, uh, great opportunities when it comes to speaking, um, mentoring, and coaching. And I think there comes a journey when it's like the excitement of making money is like, okay, that's cool, but it's even more exciting to help other people and see them. You know, I, I've got students of mine um, that I've I've helped, you know, go from making $500 a month to now they're making six and seven figures online. That's exciting because, you know, th th that's changing a person's life. So what excites me is helping other people uh, achieve um, success online. I love it. I love it. And that's the same, that's the same mission I'm on. So I really resonate with that. Cool. So Paul, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well? These could be in your lifestyle, in your business, but just things you do on a regular basis to help you sort of get to that next level. Oh, good question. Uh, so for me, I'm, I'm, uh, never meet a stranger. I guess you would say I will, um, go to whether it's a, um, on the plane, a hotel at a, a restaurant, I'm always meeting people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so for me, it's the getting clients or, or new relationships or, uh, man, I'm always meeting people, always talking to people. So if, if you really want to grow, uh, put yourself out there, connect with people. So uh, everywhere I go, wherever I'm traveling or something, I'm intentionally uh, starting conversations with people to see what they do. I've, I've met some of, I've met, again, A-list celebrities. I've met people, I've met millionaires, billionaires just by saying, hey, what do you do? And so, so continually be talking to people, definitely. Mm, that's so true. You never know when you're going to meet someone who can really like change yeah. the trajectory of your life. Like, you never know. 
Absolutely. So Paul, I know you're putting out a fair bit of content across different social media channels and, and doing a fair bit of ads as well, but is there any content that you're consuming right now, whether that's books, audiobooks, uh, podcasts, YouTube channels? Yeah, I, so I, I listen to a, a lot of, um, matter of fact, I'll, uh, I'll tell you why. I give them a plug. I just bought uh, Billy Jean's mm. um, courses, all of his courses. And man, he's a very creative marketer, like what he's doing and stuff. And so I'm going to watch all of his stuff. If you ever get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm the best at it. I know how to do it. Man, you've lost. Yeah. Uh, so I, I listen to people that are just getting into it, people that have been doing it for a while, because uh, again, I think everybody has value in content. So, so yeah, I'm always listening and, and watching, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the people that I work with, I'm a constant consumer of their content. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, that's a, a cool thing of, um, working with, uh, really successful people like this year, I've done three or four events with, uh, Ty Lopez and Alex Mayer. And one of the cool parts of it is just, you know, not only getting to speak on the same stage and platform with them, but sitting there listening to them and then having the relationship where I can sit in their office and just talk with them and ask them questions. And, you know, those guys are brilliant. They're not where they are just because of their fancy cars and their nice homes, but they're brilliant marketers. So uh, it's, it, it's cool to be able to have relationships like that. A hundred percent. Now, Paul, one thing that I'm always curious about with the people that I have on this show is the things that they choose not to scale. So to give you some context of what I'm talking about here, um, every single day, I'll pull out my phone, I'll go on Instagram, and I'll look at my new followers in the last 24 hours, and I'll pick like five to 10 people just randomly to send them um, a video message being like, hey, Paul, how's it going? Thank you so much for the follow. Let me know if there's ever any way that I can add value to anything that you're doing. Have a wonderful day. Something super yeah. simple like that. I don't bring one of my VAs on to send those out all day. Um, cause that's not the point. The point for me is to establish those connections. And like you were saying before, like really build a relationship with someone. So yeah. is there anything for you in your business, whether it's through your personal brand, your agency, your speaking, but like things that you choose not to, to scale up and keep that personal Paul Getter touch to? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that there are, um, aspects of, you know, my, my training, my, uh, coaching and consulting that, uh, you really can't um, scale simply sure. because people want to have that relationship um, with me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've kind of learned that sometimes people, it's not necessarily about strictly the content that you give them because there might be people that know the same content that you have, but sometimes people want that content coming through you. And they like who you are. They like what you represent, your vision, your um, core beliefs and everything like that. So, so I think there are aspects of coaching and consulting that uh, is limited, that personal one-on-one -on -one touch. And obviously speaking and yep. events and stuff like that, I can't really um, scale that just because of um, I can only be one place at one time. So, so, so yeah. And, they, and there are aspects of running ads and managing ads and the business administrative type of things that I can't, can't scale just because of the, um, who I am. For sure. So Paul, you have been providing so much value to our listeners. And again, I'm extremely grateful for you and your time. Where can our listeners go if they want to find out more about Paul Getter and uh, what you're currently working on right now and just follow up with you? 
Cool. So a few different ways that you can connect with me. Number one, you can connect with me on Instagram. Really easy to connect with me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Paul. That's just, that's it. Paul, P-A-U-L. It's not like Paul underscore one, two, three <laughs> underscore cool guy. It's not, it's just Paul. Uh, that's my Instagram. Also, if you want to connect with our um, business and kind of a little bit of our training and stuff, you can go to the Instagram handle nerds, N-E-R-D-S. Follow those two pages, Paul and Nerds. You can message us and we'll get connected with you. If you want to uh, connect with us for consulting or to learn more about us, you can simply go to my website. My website is paulgetter.com, G-E-T-T-E-R.com. And uh, I guess one final way is if you want to get on our text messaging list, you can text the word nerds, N-E-R-D-S, to 31. 3131 and you'll join our text messaging platform. So those are just a few ways that you can connect with us. So again, if anybody's listening to this podcast, you can uh, send me a message on Paul say, Hey, you know, um, I, I heard you on uh, Apple Criters podcast and like what you're doing. And I'll, I'll send you a link to some free uh, PowerPoints and slides and cool stuff like that, that you can um, get some content for free. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate that. And I'll be sure to link up all of those in the show notes for this episode as well for our listeners to have awesome. easy access to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, awesome. I appreciate what you're doing, man. You're a really cool guy. I love to connect, keep connected with you and uh, continue this conversation and relationship on a long-term basis. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate that. Do you have any last like closing thoughts, words of wisdom or anything you want to end the show with here today? Uh, well, so I have a little catchphrase that I say sometimes. I say, uh, uh, a nerd today is your boss tomorrow. So be nice to nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Be nice to nerds, everyone. Paul, I appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you very much. You have a great day, man. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Young Smart Money. Again, if you guys did enjoy the show, do remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us get in front of more people with the show. It helps you hear from even more amazing guests. It just makes the world go round when you do smash that five-star in iTunes. And if you guys want me to shout you out in my Instagram story, I am always up for that. So if you send a screenshot of your review to Apple Crater Official on Instagram, shoot me a DM of that or just tag me in it. Would love to repost it on my short story and give y'all a shout out there. Otherwise, I hope you guys do have a wonderful day, whether you're out walking the dog, whether you are at the gym, whatever you are up to on this fine day. I hope it is a splendid one and I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful day.